Hey, how are you doing? This is Sophie, your host of the 2045 podcast, the only podcast in which we talk about the future, how bright it could be. I introduce you to some of the world's brightest and youngest minds who are using technology to change the world and are absolutely crushing it. Welcome. Today we are going to be talking about the future, of course. This is episode two out of three of a series that I created called The Future Is Now, which is a compilation of some of the most relevant ideas found in 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, a best-selling book by Duval Noah Harari. Without further ado, let's get started. It's true. The world has made huge progress. There is less poverty as a whole, we now live longer and healthier lives as a species, and technology is evolving at an unimaginable pace. But there is always a however. In this sense, we should also be aware of the new problems that progress has brought with it. The three most pressing ones, according to Duval, are the ecological crisis, the nuclear crisis, and the technology crisis. Let's talk about the last one first. So data as a currency is the first topic. You see, sooner or later in the century, printing dollars could become irrelevant. Why? Because most transactions won't involve a coin, but rather information. Perhaps governments will even need to put new taxes into information, which will be the most important component for the economy. Think about it in the following way. If the government is corruptive and people know about it, they will look for other governors. Or at least that's what I do. However, if the same case happens, but the governments control the media so that people don't know what's happening, they're blocking the information flow, then the government is more likely to stay in power for a longer time. Now what happens with liberalism, the second topic? According to Duval, either liberalism reinvents itself or we could end up living in digital dictatorships. Because most governors are completely ignorant about topics like artificial intelligence or biotechnology. And if the system, meaning liberalism, isn't updated, they won't survive the huge biotechnological and informational wave that's coming. Algorithms could end up being more powerful than any other politician because they're rational. They aren't influenced by feelings, at least as of now. And when feelings influence our decisions, even Einstein isn't really better than anyone else because he was human. Now let's think about another idea related to feelings, and this is an even crazier one. Because once technology allows us to understand these biochemical algorithms inside our bodies, politics will become nothing more than a race to see who controls people's emotions better. It will be pretty much an emotional show. And if I didn't make myself understand very well with this statement, just hold on till the other episode in which I'll be talking about more in detail about this idea. The next thing is the useless class. I completely agree with Jabal. It's much easier to fight against slavery than to fight against irrelevance. Technology is advancing so fast, and some people haven't even noticed it. In 2050, there could be a new social class, the useless class. Because in the 21st century, the populist marches won't be against an elite that exploits people but against an elite that no longer needs others. And the different possibilities we should keep an eye on are, number one, how to keep on creating jobs, how to prevent the loss of jobs, 
and what to do if, despite everything we do, the loss of jobs is greater than the creation of them. Now, in my opinion, the only possibility that seems likely, or kind of the scenario that we will find, is that there will be a creation of new, interesting jobs, such as organism engineer, or brain-computer interfaces developer, or drone drivers. But at the same time, these jobs won't be enough to counterbalance the laws of previous ones, actually the ones that we have in the present. And number two, people won't really be ready to take these jobs. You know, we aren't preparing ourselves. But how can we do it? Well, given the current advancements in biotechnology, it's very likely that the average lifespan will continue increasing even more than it used to. So, what will we do with our lives if we have like extra 50 years that we can actually live healthily? Another point to consider, of course, is that technology is also upgrading itself. Every single day. So, if being a drone driver is considered an absolutely disruptive job today, it may not be the same in 10 or 20 years. We cannot continue having the same mindset as previous generations. Education will become a lifelong and essential activity to survive, since we will need to reinvent ourselves constantly. This is probably the only thing that I would pay attention to. If you're not. Listening to the rest of the podcast, just stay with this idea. We need to reinvent ourselves constantly. Learning doesn't end when school does. Now, even the best case scenario could turn out to be terrible for many, many people. Hence, many governors have already thought about implementing a universal basic income. So, people who lost their jobs due to automation can still have the necessary resources to survive. But the first problem with this idea is defining what universal means. These programs aim to satisfy humans' first necessities. But again, what is basic? Different opinions may arise. For instance, Europe nowadays considers that a good education, as well as access to healthcare services, is enough. But others suggest that access to the internet should also be considered as a basic need. Thanks to emerging technologies and human progress overall, what we were talking about earlier. Other questions arise, such as: Will the right to education include doing a PhD? Once we are able to genetically enhance babies, will that be considered a basic right and necessity too? How about the right to extend our health span? Harari says that if basic universal help is focused on improving the objective life conditions of an average person in 2050. This means, in the context of 2050, when we are likely gonna have all these possibilities, well, then the UBI could actually have a good chance of success. The future is now. Countries like Finland have already undergone some experiments for about two years, in which they give people universal help, regardless if they find a job. The problem with these programs, as you may imagine. Is that the majority of victims from unemployment because of automation won't live in Finland, but rather in developing countries? This is why some suggest that the millionaires who own and control the algorithms pay the government a fair amount of money, and that the government uses that money to give a universal salary to people that were left unemployed because of automation. Actually, don't quote me on this, but if I remember right. 
Bill Gates also suggested this idea of robots or maybe algorithms paying taxes, which is interesting. Another thing to talk about is the world won't stop making progress just because of the useless class or just because people losing their jobs. On the contrary, it's just accelerating and it'll continue accelerating. So for the first time in history, the disparity will involve something more than money, something more than material possessions. It will be harder for people in the useless class to catch up because they will likely be biologically disadvantaged. Although many people are working so this doesn't happen and a lot of bioethicists are arguing that genetic enhancement and modification shouldn't be done, some other experts argue that it will be inevitable. People will enhance themselves if they have enough money to pay for it. Again, the future is now. Dave Asprey is considered to be the father of biohacking, and one of his goals is to live to be 200 years old. So following his passion, he founded a company dedicated to enhancing your health, which is called Bulletproof. It looks like he's democratizing this technology, but the fact, uh, for now at least, is that the single session at Bulletproof Labs costs hundreds of dollars. In other words, it's not something that many people can afford, as of now. Let's also think about countries which sometimes can't even control diseases, like this pandemic. Are we gonna start enhancing the population? Or maybe this means that not only classes, but entire countries could become irrelevant. We've almost come to the end, and you know that in this series I like to talk about three lessons that I learned, like three main takeaways that sometimes have to do a little bit with what I talked through the episode. Sometimes they have to do with other topics in the book, but they're absolutely essential and worthwhile. So the first one is, when we choose our governor, some important questions to ask are, how can we reduce the odds of a nuclear war and the risks of climate change? Remember the three, two of the three most important problems for the 21st century? Another question we may ask to our governors or future governors is, how can we regulate AI and bioengineering? How do you see the world in 2040? Which is the best and worst case scenario that you see for that time? Another takeaway is adapting to change, learning new things in a short period of time, and maintaining mental equilibrium as well in unfamiliar situations will become essential abilities. And last but definitely not least, in order to make the right decisions about the future of life, we need to think in a higher order than nations. We need to think at a global level. Will the Earth be dominated by Homo sapiens or by cyborgs, not only caring about the US, China, or Russia, or whatever country may be? Because not focusing on the three most important crises could be catastrophic. Nuclear crisis, ecological crisis, and technological crisis. I hope this episode hasn't been too disencouraging, but this is the purpose to not only talk about the good things that the future may hold, although that is like the main purpose behind this podcast, but also talk about what could happen if we are not prepared. What could happen if we use the technologies not in our benefit, in the benefit of a whole human species, but only in the benefit of some. 
Remember to share this episode to someone who may be interested in learning about the future and technology and personal development and the mindsets you need in order to succeed. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.